Welcome to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay, where we discuss growth strategies both for business and a personal perspective, discussing all kinds of businesses, growth strategies, technology, investment strategy, and much more. We are meeting with entrepreneurs, investors, app developers, and property developers. Our vision is to help 10,000 business owners grow their businesses. Introducing our host, Matt Lindsay. Matt is a former banker and corporate financier. He now spends his time building his own companies organically and through acquisition, as well as raising capital for other businesses. Matt works with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and investors. Hello and welcome to The Growth Show. Today's guest is Matt Belcher. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing? Doing good, thanks, Matt. The two Matts, uh, I think you had another Matt on your show a while back, so there's a lot of Matts knocking around here. Did I? I don't I think so. That was. They obviously made, oh. made a big impression. Anyway, uh, <laughs> clear, Um, Yeah, so we have known one another or known one of, of one another for a very long time. We grew up in the same town, Harpenden and Hertfordshire. Um, and you have subsequently moved continents. Um, our wives at the time, or your wife worked with my then girlfriend, um, and yes. you moved to the States. And we used to do some kind of digital marketing stuff. And you had, I remember you did a Frank Kern course, didn't you? Of, um, I don't know, it wasn't mass control, but it was another one of kind of providing these services to businesses. So taking it yeah. all the way back to that kind of, those, those kind of techniques. <laughs> I've forgotten you, about that. Yeah, which you no longer use, of course, but it is still very relevant. So what I thought was interesting about kind of our relationship and our journey is in some ways they've kind of crossed over because you used to be more kind of computer focused and technology focused. And I was more financial focused. And now here you are running Cowtier Realty, which is a investment platform to enable investors to get into real estate and other asset classes if i'm not mistaken totally yes yep so it's quite an interesting kind of change although i'm actually in conversations with some people about doing some financial stuff again uh, but i wanted to talk to you a bit about how you made that journey and i know that you used to work a lot on growth and kind of mindset and um you know health and all, all that good stuff um, and mm -hmm. yeah, so over to you, Matt, in terms of kind of okay. explaining your journey and how you've got to where you've got to today. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, isn't it? The 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 thin threads in the weave that we take through life to get to where you are, and um, you know, it's a never-ending journey, right? <clears throat> I don't think it ever really ever ever stops. You know, I, this is a bit of an anecdote, but. I was with a friend and her brother the other day, and if they watch this, then oh well. Um, but the guy was probably my age, you know, mid forties, and was saying, "Oh, you know, I've got stocks and this, that, and the other, and I can't wait to retire." And I, that's great. That's his view, and that's his vision, and that's fantastic. But I, that just 
doesn't really that's not vocabulary in my mind necessarily i you know i, I think that for me i want more options and, and more time to pick and choose when i do stuff but the word retiring to me was kind of like what why would i ever do that when's that ever going to happen you know i'm not really interested in that i'll i'll do stuff till i can't do any more stuff anyway so yeah you know matt um for your viewers uh i'm going to give them a little bit of insight to matt lindsay matt, matt lindsay was a little bit infamous um growing growing up <laughs> so was i in our hometowns <laughs> and look at us now right uh, so uh yeah I, i'm from Hertfordshire in the uk and married a, an american gal who um and, that, and that's how matt and i reconnected you know through through our respective partners at the time i moved to the us and then subsequently um got divorced and at that time you know was was kind of wondering what i was going to do that was 11 years ago um and whether i would come back to the uk or whether i'd, I'd stay here and you know, I'd made the commitment to be here. I had a friend group at that point. I was a couple of years in. I had a home <clears throat> and um, I was getting work and just said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of just stay here for a bit. And then um, I got very involved in large scale real estate financing, um, sort of traditional debt equity type stuff, and also in the what they call here the EB5 program, which is the foreign investment program. So that's that's you know most countries have some kind of foreign investment incentive program. In the US, the big one is called EB5. Um, people, it's now eight hundred thousand, but at the time it was five hundred thousand, and you could pull groups of investors international from internationally, put them into like basically an LP structure, a pooled fund, and then fund large scale real estate, and you would have to show job creation locally. It was all about economic impact, right? In, in kind of uh, distressed economic areas. And that's a, that's a huge program. It does billions and billions of dollars. So by that point, you know, I was like, well, I should probably stay. And uh, that's a bit that's a bit of the background. So that that's why I'm in um, sunny California right now. I'm looking out the window and it actually looks very much like England. But I will be honest, I quite like that. I quite like a bit of grey sky now and again because it makes me feel, you know, like I'm back home. Not too far away from it. Right. And and so you when when we used to do things together, we were concentrating on, I guess in some ways, kind of leveraging the power of the internet to enable some type of scale. And we kind of did that semi-successfully but probably not really but i see that very much as kind of part of the journey to kind of achieving the things that you then go on to do and mm -hmm. so do you still use that kind of digital marketing strategy and those those kind of techniques that you learned at that time or is that not part of what you do today <clears throat> do you know it's a great question matt it, i'm remembering back when we were doing that stuff and it was interesting because you would very commonly say you know you use the term learning curve right a lot and you'd be like well you know it's all part of the learning curves all part of the learning curves all part of the learning curve and that's totally true um because it, like right right now so we have a team you know i'm sure we'll get into a bit more about how cowtier works and what we're do, doing with that but for example, you know, we have a team of people uh, like digital marketing team, right? And 
it's kind of you know I'm 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 the CEO of the company, and you you know you you know too you have to have view over everything that's going on right you're not you're not necessarily going to deep dive into each topic, um, but you have to have enough vision to see what everyone's doing, and to be honest, to know if it's BS or not what they're telling you right you have to have that kind of gut intuition like when this expert on whatever the topic is says this is how we do it you kind of have to be like mm, do i really think that's the way and so it's fascinating because i find myself a lot especially on the digital side on and the online side i'm way more knowledgeable about that than i realize and i was thinking back and it's because of all the stuff you and i did it's all it's that thousands of hours of courses that we downloaded the videos we watched, the websites we put together, the money we spent on marketing. I mean, that stuff is invaluable. Um, and it's weird how life does this, right? Where today it's come full circle and I, I'm not an, an expert in internet marketing by any stretch, but I have a kind of a, you know, if most people are at a level four in their knowledge of it, I'm probably seven or, or an eight. And so when I have these conversations with these, these marketing agencies in our team, I kind of just say, guys, let's fast forward. Let's fast forward. I understand this. I understand this. And it's, it's a hundred percent helped the growth of our company. Um, having that background knowledge that you and I basically did in the trenches, you know, I don't know what, 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. It's a long time ago. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been here 11 years, so it must be at least 15 years ago. So all of that, you know, and I remember you and I would do, I mean, we would have a, at the time, a beer or a coffee, right, the next day. And, and you'd have been up since till two in the morning. I'd been up to two in the morning, mucking around with websites, mucking around with ads, opt-in forms, funnels, um, videos, that type of stuff. And at the time, it felt like a grind. And at the time, you and I weren't really making a lot of money out of it, although we did subsequently make money out of it but we weren't making like a fortune but that knowledge that i gained from that period of time is just right now is invaluable no doubt about it yeah i think that kind of practical for me that practical application of all the things that i, I, I remember we were doing ppi you know, so payment protection yeah oh, yeah yeah ppi so right that, right that was kind of one of the first <laughs> first things that we were actively working on and ironically I was working for a bank at the time but uh, yeah slight conflict of interest there but anyway um, and <laughs> we we were getting yeah. these leads through and it was like wow you know this this was this was and it was a legitimate claims process I mean all those guys you know yeah. their their claims management company there you know yes yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting sector and there's some 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 activities that and the, some of the behaviors I don't particularly like but nevertheless right. it, it was legit lead gen and I think at that yeah. time, it was incredibly easy to do that. You know, not many people were advertising on Google. And if you did, then, you know, you, you got traffic from it. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, it's really because because the thing that always excites me about the kind of power of, you know, anything digital is the fact that you or I can can communicate with, you know, it might just be one person watching this podcast. Hopefully it's more than that, but it might just be one. Um, and but it might be a million, you know, and, and you, you have actually potentially got that scale. And I think that that to me has always been the thing that I come back to in terms of, you know, I do stuff with local businesses at the moment. And, you know, that's been a kind of an application of the of, of, of the kind of digital marketing strategies that we've we've learned and I've applied them. And and, and I think, yeah, move, moving on from that, there's, there's, there's a huge 
I, I just love the opportunity that that this kind of platform enables you to enables you to do. And I think what you've done is a really good example of that because you've gone to a country you didn't really know anyone, right? No, you, <coughs> no one really. You've made made some contact contact, built a network of people, started. You become SEC regulated, right? Yeah. You've built mm -hmm. built a network of international high net worth investors who want to come, you know, to the US and get get their visa so that they can stay and then after that you've then pivoted you've effectively pivoted the business at that point in time you realized that this real estate thing was a was a real opportunity and it became you know i could see the momentum shift and i remember we met at mipin the property conference in cam we did yeah we yeah had, we had a we had a few few beers that night it was it was a good night it was quite <laughs> fun but what else do you do at mipin <laughs> it was all business right no i don't know right. <laughs> I, I only did theirs um but they i think at that time i could see that there was this kind of sense of momentum about kind of creating this real estate platform that had kind of taken over from doing you know investor visas is that is that fair, yes. fair to say actually it's really insightful man yeah <clears throat> i'll jump into that but i just want to just want to remark as you were talking about the ppi do you remember we also did the um, travel card stuff? Yes. Yeah. 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 That was that was a really that was a really interesting bit. We we I think we almost cr cracked the nut on that one. That could have been massive. I know. Um, so that was close. interesting. Yeah. So far, <laughs> it was it was a close one, but it was it, that in in and of itself. I'm, and I'm sure now, like with digital wallets and stuff, it's probably not even a thing. But back then, that was like a, a huge thing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So, the not to jump too much into the visa business because it is a in and of itself, it's a whole conversation. But I jumped into that because, um, uh, you know, again, thin threads. I was actually invited by an attorney. I was looking for consulting work. You know, my, as you know, Matt, my background's management consulting. If if I if I have something to point to, it would I would say that. And uh, this attorney. Uh, is this kind of super eccentric Italian guy here in San Diego has a decent law firm and he loves British people. And he was like, Oh, I have a job for you. I have a job for you. And it was basically these two clients that were trying to do this EB five transaction. So a foreign investor trying to invest into a company because um, you can do it one or you can do 500 investors and they couldn't agree on terms. So he wanted me to come in and like help he was over it he said i haven't got time for this can you come in and help negotiate the deal with them so i didn't know anything about eb5 and that's where it started and so it was a necessity i needed you know i needed to grow into an industry here um and i jumped into it and got a license by the federal government here in the us it's it's called a regional center it takes maybe a year to get costs a couple of hundred grand to do it. it's a big commitment but i saw it as it's like a license to operate that type of business and it was a huge barrier to entry so i said okay great i'm going to go get that i had a partner we did it together and we started operating that eb5 regional center business <clears throat> that industry is a great industry but to be perfectly frank everything that you and i did you know your mindset my mindset it's so slow moving, that industry, right? It, it, it makes a lot of money. And there are some people who have been very successful in it. But I just looked at it as, the, as a couple of years went on. And I said, man, th this business is, it, you can't really internet-fy it, right? You can't really digitalize it. 
Yeah. It's very one-on-one. It's, you've got to fly to different countries. We, I mean, we went down to Mexico City a bunch of times. I've been in India. I've been in a bunch of other countries. You have to press the flesh. And I love meeting people. You know that. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person. I like to do business face-to-face. But I like to do business face-to-face with my partners. But I love the exponential growth mindset of what digital businesses can give you, right? And I just saw like, eh, this thing isn't really, you can't really, you can't really grow it in that exponential way, right? You can make a lot of money, but it's always going to be based on your hours and your time and what you're doing. And so at that time, um, we got into what's called the multifamily industry here. So apartment complexes, right? So these aren't flats. You don't own them. You lease them. It's a massive concept here in the US. Uh, There's millions and millions and millions. And in fact, CBRE forecast uh, that in 2022, and we're seeing that now, there's actually a 3 million shortfall of um, apartments, new ones. So in the US, a lot of people do that. They'll have a home, but they'll also lease an apartment because they're traveling around for work. It's a massive industry, right? They reckon it's worth about 400 billion a year in originations. And then, you know, you know, a lot of people listening to this or watching this are probably in real estate. And so there's, there's always, and, and I apologize for my Americanisms. I should have said that up front. <laughs> and I, cause I can't remember some words. I can't remember if they're how to say them anymore. I'm, I'm at that Rubicon where I'm kind of like forget, but niche or niche, niche, right? Should be niche. Okay. Yeah. So there's niches within niches within niches in real estate, right? So when someone says to you, oh, I'm in storage, well, it's like, well, what, what kind of storage? Like to consumer, to business, like where are you located? Are you, are you on the debt side? Are you on the equity side? Are you, are you the um, operator? Like what, what, what does that mean, right? And it's the same with multifamily. Um, the thing that we go after or we're interested in is the what's called the... Um, it's renovation it's basically you go in and you buy a somewhat distressed asset in an area that has is seeing or will see some economic growth so typically you're looking for big box stores going in you're looking for infrastructure you you know if you if you could if amazon was putting a battery factory there you're like hallelujah right that's great but that isn't even on even in and of itself the only thing that would drive it so you're looking for these assets that Typically, they're like the owners may have got to the point where um, it's it's finished its life cycle of their business plan, right? And they want to finance out. It could be a large fund out of New York has a whole portfolio. And now they're saying that we want to get rid of them. We want to buy more. So you go in, you purchase it, then you do either a light touch or a deep renovation. You sit on it. And, you know, you're going to lift the rents because now you've improved the asset, right? You're going to put new kitchens in. You're going to put a dog park in, a dog wash, put solar charging. You know, it's the huge thing now, right? Everybody, everyone has Teslas over here or electric cars over here. It's really, really exponentially growing right now. And you sit on that and then you stabilize it for probably three to five years. It's also generating income, right? And then uh, you hope to dispose of it. So it, the concept is really, it's just like a house flip on a big scale, right? So we're investing into things that are um, three, four, 500 unit multifamily units. Um, so these, these deals can be 
10 to $100 million type deals. Um, we're going in as very often from our fund as fractional owners. So just to kind of summarize all that, that business is very desirable for investors. However, in the United States, we have this concept called accredited investors, right? Yeah. So the SEC long time ago said, if you're going to go out and offer issue, you know, uh, as an issuer, if you're going to go out and offer securities or opportunities to people, then uh, that typically you can only do it to accredited investors because they should, they have enough wealth and enough income that if, if they lose their money, well, they should be knowledgeable enough that they can handle that, right? So it's, it's, an, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because effectively what that does is it stops the ordinary person being able to invest in these types of assets where they could potentially get better returns than normal. So, because the same thing happens in the UK, so you have to elect as a sophisticated or sophisticated, um, sophisticated right. investor or whatever. So it's a similar thing, but it, in some ways, you know, if someone's got the money, why shouldn't they be able to invest into it? But that's that's a whole different conversation, of course. Well, I, Matt, I totally agree with you. I mean, and that that's that's what we're doing at Caltier, right? So, so there was always this barrier to entry and, uh, this is how Caltier came about. I, my partners and I were financing in and, in and around that, that multifamily industry. Yeah. And we were seeing the types of returns that people were getting, right? And we were like, we want, I want that. Okay, so we'd contact the issuer and the issuer would say, sure, you, you, can, you can come in in this deal. It's 150000 minimum. Well, to be perfectly frank with you, I don't always have $150,000 lying around that I can put into stuff six times a year and you have to park it for five years, right? So I said, guys, this is really prohibitive in terms of the average person being able to invest into this type of stuff. In 2014, 2015, Obama's administration pushed through Congress uh, the Jobs Act, Jumpstart Our Business Act. And in that, they basically said, look, this crowdfunding thing, you know, Indiegogo, so you and I go on Indiegogo, there'd be an electric scooter, and you'd be like, awesome, I'll put in 100 quid, right? And they'll give you a free T-shirt or some socks for it, right? They said, look, that's ridiculous. Why don't we let people actually own shares in these companies that they want to do? So the Jobs Act allows you to offer non-accredited investors uh, securities, opportunities, of course, they wrap it with tons of compliance and tons of protections because they don't want people like me going to Mrs. Granny Smith, right, in Ohio and telling her, hey, give us your 50 grand and I'll give you five times return on your money. We can't say any of that, yeah. right? And in actual fact, I should say this because my attorney will, you know, uh, anybody watching this, if you go to Caltier, please read the offering circular. I encourage you to read it regardless because that's the Bible with which we have to operate our business in. So that, that's what happens. So now you've got this, basically we're valuing the industry. It's about three, our estimation, it's about a $3 trillion industry because you've got 10% of the wealth in the US is 10% uh, of the people are, are non-accredited, accredited, excuse me. So you've got another 90% that are not. So the, there are people who are, you know, earn really good money, want to get ahead in life. And you've seen this with Robinhood. We've seen this with meme stocks. We've seen this with crypto, right? So all we're doing at Caltier is we're basically saying, look, there's this awesome real estate 
subsection, which is really hard to get involved in. We've built this platform, which is at counted.fund, and anyone can go take a look at it. We actually allow international investors to come into our fund. Although I will and, say for anyone who's, who's in the UK, if you do invest into a UK US-based company, you will be required to file US tax returns for the rest of your life. Yes. So do think about that carefully. Just one thing to, one thing to you, add. You will be tracked by the IRS for the rest of your life. <laughs> there is a way you can buy yourself out, but it's expensive. So, so, so not trying to stop people investing, but that. <laughs> yeah, be aware of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and we do have people coming and we don't have an awful lot. I mean, the market's so big here anyway, it's, you know, it's fine. But, um, and so that's what we do. We, you know, people can invest from their app. They can go to the website and they basically go into, we have one fund at the minute. We're, we're working on the second fund and that fund basically uh, invests across a portfolio of these, these very hard to reach um, multifamily um, assets um, and then you know it's all managed online everyone gets their distribution one of the unique things we're not the only show in town um, there's a couple of other uh, companies that have been doing it a bit longer than us they have a slightly different take in terms of they do different types of real estate um, we feel very bullish about the real estate we're involved in um, and we have some uniques for example if someone puts their money in in 30 days, if they say, uh, I changed my mind, they get their money back 100%. Um, but we don't actually have a lock-in. So if they're a year in and they say, I want my 10, 15 grand back, they'll get it back. It may not be immediately um, because we have a redemption plan, obviously, to protect the fund, but they'll get it back. Um, so that's a bit of a unique because most most of these other firms have a, um, a minimum lock-in period. Okay. So am I right in saying that Grant Cardone is doing exactly the same thing? So he's an interesting character, isn't he? Well, he, he, he 10Xs everything. And to be fair to him, I don't know if you watched that show that he did where he, yeah, yeah. he, he went out with nothing. And I didn't watch the end of it, but I, I gather that he, you know, he, he, he did a couple of million quid's worth of business in 90 days whilst sleeping rough, effectively. So, you know, kind of hats off to him on that. Yeah, no, the, guy, the guy's knocking it out of the park. So Grant, it's similar, right? I mean, he has a slightly different slant. He's, it's very focused on him and his personality and, and those things. But, and he's also very bullish about... Um, he started off life with accredited investors and then he got involved in the, the, the what we call the regulation a which is the non-accredited investors um and i think he does a he does a bit of both right now which we do as well um his model's a little different you know i couldn't get into the detail of it because that would be a two-hour conversation but <clears throat> he tends to do more of the shiny object stuff like if you look at his real estate it's very flashy it's it's what we call a class class a sure. we're in the c and b there's not much value add to what he's doing, right? right. So um, it's just a slightly different model. He's in Florida. That stuff is like going crazy in Florida. He's made people a lot of money, very successful. I would say moving forward, personally, I would be a little nervous on class A type assets um, because there's no upside to them. And... Um, you know, when you don't have an upside, you're really relying on, well, let's hope the original business plan work. Whereas what we do is workforce housing, um, where we can add value, we can renovate, 
we can bring people in and we can lift rents. Okay, and uh, so in, 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 in terms of that as a, as a model, what kind of, you know, I don't know what a rent would look like, but what kind of proportion are you, you, you seeing that you, you're able to lift them to? Because obviously it's set by demand as well, right? Because if you raise it too high, you won't get people, people coming in. Right, and sometimes it's a ratcheted process right so you know we did just have one asset with a partner uh where um it was just under managed and and they hadn't lift rents for 10 years so they came in you know they they politely communicated to all the tenants and said look we we we, we're going to light touch this we're going to repaint it didn't need a lot it just needed repainting and a few things and they're like look we're going to have to lift rents a bit we're not going to lift them to like what the neighboring asset is at but we're going to ratchet it up over the next two or three years. So if you're, and, and, and as long as you're communicating with people, most folks know anyway that they're probably not paying top, you know, the right market rate. Yeah. Get a bit of a deal. Yeah. And so, and then we had another, we got another one we're involved in where the renovations, I think are a year. So six months in, there'll be no lift, you know, while the renos are happening, because that's the disruption to people, then you don't do anything. And then you wait and then you say, look, new people coming in will pay the new rate the existing people we're going to ratchet up so you you're not going in and being you know this is a this isn't like a uh, you know you'll be surprised at the people aspect of this business um we have folks that thank us they go into the um the property office right the leasing office and they say thank you so much for coming in and you know this building was a was a mess and we really appreciate that your new group came in. You've you've put in new facilities. You know the team's really good. We really appreciate. It. It's much more fun and, and pleasant to live here. So we get that kind of comment too. There's always the one or two that are like you guys are trying to come in and like take money from the poor and you know. And it's like, well, what do you want us to do? I mean, we're help, we're trying to improve these buildings and we're trying to to increase the the the, the lifestyle that you have here while you're living here. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I saw in one of your email communications, you successfully exited one of these. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. With a partner, um, an amazing group, actually, called Sundance Bay. Like, so um, one of the most credible groups in mm, probably the whole of the US in that business. Um, Those guys just knock it out of the park. I mean, they're unbelievable. But yeah. That was an Arizona asset. It was a bit of a bluebird. Um, I think we got in and got out within 18 months. Right. Because that, that, that isn't the model, is it? No, no. It's just it's just somebody wanted the asset and those guys had identified it way earlier. And, um, you know, what I'm about to say is not atypical and I can't be quoted on this, but uh, at the asset level, at the asset level, I think the I think the return was like seventy IRR or something like that because it wow. was a short period of time, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? It was That's short amazing. and it was three times cash on cash or something, which which is not, you know, that if we could do that every time, that'd be amazing. That's not always the case, but no. um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's look, it, it, the model is um, is a very simple one, right? It's the old thing you buy buy the buy a distressed asset in one of the better areas or growing areas fix it up um, and manage it, sit on it and then sell it when it's appreciated. But at the same time, you're making all the rent growth. Absolutely. And, and so how did you 
I think from memory, you had strategic partners that kind of gave you the real estate exposure initially. And then you, I, th I think from memory, you bought that expertise in-house. So you approached this with, should we say, some real estate experience from, you know, owning your own properties and so on and so forth, but yeah. not as a developer, not, not in kind of big ticket real estate. How did you make that transition? Because, you know, lots of the people that I know, you know, kind of want to be investors and they're doing some bits and pieces. And, you know, quite often you get you, you get to a certain level and there'll be a buffer and it's kind of pushing past that. So you clearly had a big vision from the outset in terms of this is where we're going to get to. And this is the kind of process that we need to go through to achieve this. What, what was what was your kind of thoughts on that and how, how did you kind of get through that process? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. It's it's the old it's the old Matt Lindsay thing. It's it's uh it's all a great it's a learning curve, right? Um, no, that's totally. I mean, we we in this industry, um, in the in the in the niche of the niche of the niche, right? Multi-family value add acquisition, which is what we're really involved in. There are people that have, there are companies that have done it for twenty years that could stand up and say every single asset we've ever done, we've done five hundred. They've all made money for their investors, right? right. We, we, I, I couldn't pretend that I have that experience. Of course. Um, there's no point, right? It would be embarrassing. Uh, sometimes these assets, when they go on the market, the seller will tell the agents, I, I only want companies that have five years experience and a track record. So you... You don't, you, you're only getting, you're, you're not even getting invited to the party. It didn't, it wouldn't matter if I turned up with a $20 million check. I'm not invited to that party, right? And so we absolutely had to lean on um, partners and we still do, Matt. So a huge part of our model is, you know, you can't be all things to all people all the time, right? Sure. No, and it's knowing your um, limitations as well, right? It is knowing, it's knowing your, your skill sets. It's knowing... I always say this to the guys, this is a big, to the team, something I always say is um, your sweet spot that you're really good at is often also your blind spot. It, it's yin yang, right? It's the same. So the thing you're really good at, right? And so you're a great communicator with people. You're fantastic. That can also often be your blind spot where you don't realize that that's actually a weak point. And so it's very interesting to kind of look at that. We recognized that and we basically said, look, if we're going to grow this company, we, we can't, we, are, we, are, we, are we a web, are we an internet platform? Are we focusing on technology? Are we a fintech company? It's basically what we are. Or are we a real estate acquisition company? We have to blend the two, but we're leaning. And like you said, we've, we've brought in some experience, some people with some gray hair that have a lot of experience on the real estate side, but we're not ever really going to be kind of this huge real estate acquisition company because that's done by a lot of other people and that's a whole industry in and of itself what we're doing is we're working with them very closely with them and we're deploying we're opening the door to those relationships to our retail investors absolutely and that that kind of brings us on nicely in terms of into what the what the kind of platform is today and kind of what the vision of, of, of it is going forward so i know we've we've spoken about this offline previously but yeah so so where do, where yeah. do you kind of see this going so right now we have one fund that's growing we we have about uh i haven't checked this morning but i think we have 6500 
users on the platform. We have about 30, 40 accounts opening every day. That's great. That, that goes up as we, as we keep fine tuning our ads, as Matt, as you and I know, you know, split testing is everything. So we split test, split test, split test, split test to the point that it drives me crazy, but we do. Mm. Um, you know, we just closed our seed round of funding. We got just over about 1.1 million and change. What's interesting is we did a combo of that, of accredited investors, and, and we did a what's here in the US is called Reg CF, Reg Crowdfunding. Right. So we allowed non-accredited investors to participate. So in my company, in, in the company I founded with my three, my two partners, um, we have on the cap table retail investors who are part who are in our real estate fund and now they're part of our company. It's kind of right. cool. Yeah. And we'll probably do it again. Um, there's actually a really cool company called Atlas Motor Vehicles. They're doing a um, an electric vehicle platform, right. and they've crowdfunded all the way. They raised thirty million dollars. They crowdfunded from day one. They've raised thirty million, and now they're going public. No VC, no private equity money. Wow. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, paradigm is shifting, and it's huge, right? So where do I see it going? Um, I think the industry is moving. You're going to see huge brands using crowdfunding moving forward they're going to spin subsections of their business off because this is all about community if you like someone's trainers brand or their um iphone cases or whatever and you want to raise money why not why not let the crowd fund it and, and be the best voice to do it so where we are today is we've got one real estate fund we've got nine assets we've invested into um i think it's 1300 doors either directly or with our partners we're spinning off another fund. We'll probably have three or four by the time we're done here. Um, real estate, multifamily is where we're at today, but I'm looking at right now with a lot of partners, any other alternative assets. So anything that isn't stock shares, basically. Um, so it could be real estate. It could be um, minerals. It could be, it could be other items because... I'm focused on building the community on our platform and then we'll dovetail in other products and services uh, into that. You know, so people could say, yeah, I really love Caltier. I love, I love what they're doing. I love the team. They're straightforward and upfront. I invested in their real estate fund. Now I might get into their XX fund or whatever, whatever the fund is, is, is going to be. Um, we also have, just to finish it off, you know, uh, I'd also like to bring in other financial services to the company. So long-term value for us will be not just the real estate and the funds, but I'd like to bring in um, value-added services on, on, on the financial side. So that could be bank accounts. Um, that could be credit solutions as well uh, for, for people. What about wealth management? A hundred percent. Sorry. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just registered, uh, we we have um, in the US, there is a product that the federal government, the IRS allow you to use. It's called a self-directed IRA, which is an individual retirement account. Yeah. So it's it's like a, um, what's it called in the US? SIP, SIP or a SAS. Yeah, right. So same kind of thing, right? Here in the US, if you're under 50, I think it's six grand a year. You can put in Peter Thiel from PayPal invested in Facebook using his self-directed IRA. So the gains he made on Facebook were tax free. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so on your self-directed IRA, they have a thing called an IRA where you can do stock shares. Self-directed means you can direct it into companies and real estate. So we're very focused on that. We have a partner that we have a solution with. It's all online. We're turning that industry on its head. Typically, that's paper-driven. You have to have an agent. It takes a month. It's a pain. People can go on our platform. They can register an account. They can open up a self-directed IRA in 20 minutes. And um, they can move money from their Fidelity account into their self-directed IRA and then invest into our um, real estate fund. So, yeah, wealth management, tax-efficient solutions, all of those things are really important. Absolutely. No, interesting. Well, no, it's good to, good to see the progress that you've made. And yeah, each time I speak to you, it, it certainly is, yes, moving along in, in its life cycle. So what in, in terms of this, there's a few questions I always like to ask in terms of what do you think has been the biggest failure that you faced since starting this business? And obviously, as you know, business owners, you're there's constant failure and it, it's overcoming these things. So from your perspective, what, well, yeah, what do you think the, the biggest failure that, that you've had to, had to overcome and how did you overcome it? Um, <clears throat> I think this is my fault. So when we started, I identified a number of people that I thought would be the team. And they're all really great people. It's just as you know, Matt, having because you've built a number of companies, um, it's a long road and it's a hard road. And it takes a certain type of person with a certain type of mentality and a desire. And so what I did is I collated this team thinking if I could like put the team in a room, get the right members, you know, all you need to do is feed that team with food and opportunity and off we go, right? Yeah. And what I realized that that wasn't the case. And we had people on our cap table who had, you know, ownership of our company, quite frankly, with all due respect to them. And I'm sure if they watch this, they'll agree. I mean, they didn't do anything because they had other things going on in their life. They didn't have the vision and the drive and the appetite that me and the other two founders that are now existing had. Um, that was a problem because when we're fundraising, we now had, you know, or the equity in the company had to be repositioned. So we, you have that unfortunate conversation. We had to do it. We have to go back to them and say, you're not doing anything. We're trying to grow the company. <laughs> you need to give up some ownership, right? Dif difficult conversation to have for sure. Very difficult. That I think as a founder, um, added a significant amount of time, like it added months and months and months. It slowed the company down. Um, the other thing I, I hate, I, you know, is, is I didn't go with my gut in certain aspects, uh, like communication, like tone of voice to investors. There were some critical business decisions we made on the compliance side because it, we, every, every decision we made, we were learning as we went, right? Sure. So it was a little, it's very nerve wracking because you're like, this one decision could bring everything down. But now I feel more confident. It's not like you're just going to make these unilateral decisions because you feel like it. You're obviously looking at all the data points and you're understanding what's going on. You're listening to people. But there were times when we dragged our feet because we were like, mm, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. And it just wasted time. Mm. It's almost like a, a decision is better than no decision, basically. Yeah. Um, 
no, interesting. And, and, and in terms of the, the kind of alternative to that, so what's the greatest success, would you say? I'd say our determination, like we, <laughs> we have we have a lot, you know, in this industry, it, it, what we're doing because we're, you know, we, we're our offering is qualified by the SEC. We have FINRA regulations. You know, it's, I, I have to be careful what I'm saying on this interview with you, you know, the show. Um, it's people have come to us who are support us. We have a lot of partners. We have a lot of vendors that we have to use. And they're like, we can't believe the resolve that the three of you have. Like you, we went, we basically launched November 2019. COVID, the whole world went crazy. Oh, I I yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, wow. The whole world went crazy <laughs> March 20, March 2020, right? I also went through a, a relationship, another relationship breakup around about that time. And so uh, my partners have had some stuff going on and it's the resolve. And I read, um, I can't remember where I got it from. Maybe I'll share it with you, Matt, if you want to put it in the show notes or whatever. But there's an article about what makes the biggest risks to startups, and I can't remember, it was like 10 things, but in the, in the top 10, one is money, of course, running out of money, right? But in that too, was um, the founders just running out of energy and steam and oh, just, I, just I, being- 100%, I'm a, firm believe, I'm a firm believer that if you're, you know, it's a startup that you're putting everything into, some of them aren't, some of them are, I think you can only do it a certain number of times before that's it, you, you've kind of depleted that energy. I, I, I think you have a certain amount of money in your, in your energy bank account yeah. and you have to be really careful where you spend it because I totally agree with you. And you can see that with founders about exits, right? Like Elon Musk is a total crazy man who's, who, I mean, I don't know how he, he has just, let's park him because he's just a separate yeah. thing, but most founders, different. <laughs> different. So, I mean, possibly an alien from the planet. We, we don't know. Right. But um most founders will, will exit, they'll take their money and they'll probably start investing and then they'll be like on the advisory council. They might do one other business from the ground up, but you very rarely see someone that's done four or five. For, I agree with you for that very reason. You, you know, we talk about it a lot in the team. We're like, this, it feels, when you're in it, you feel like it's going slow, but when you stand back and look, you're like, wow, look at what we achieved in six months. Mm. And you've just got to not let the peaks and troughs really affect you. You just got to try and sit in the middle and say, doing the right thing. We know what works. Don't let the, it's the emotional side. The emotional side of business is the thing that really tires you out, right? Yeah. I don't get tired writing emails and stuff like that or reviewing legal docs or planning stuff or listening to someone and saying, I agree or don't agree. It's that emotional aspect of, man, can I get on and I do another one of these, you know? And so I, I just think if anybody's out there and you're having a hard time with your business, obviously look at the technical aspects of it and figure out, could I be doing this better, smarter, faster, cheaper? It's always a question to ask, but also stand back and don't get weary in well-doing, right? Like, um, and I know we're running out of time here, Matt, but you know, the, what's the old Robert Kiyosaki thing, right? Look at 100 properties, put an offering on 10, get a counter on three, buy one, right? I mean, driving around looking at 100 properties, that's so tiring. 
but, but, but well, the reality is you can do that on Google Maps now, right? So, you know, you can right. kind of accelerate that process <laughs> rather than driving around in circles all day. Right, right. And there, and there are software and tools, right, that help you do that. But the point is, if that's the business and it works, I, I suffer from this a little bit, right? Sometimes things work really well. And then it kind of scares me. And I'm like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is that working? Whoa, hold on a second. And it's like, dude, just relax into it a little bit. Like if it's working and making money, great. That's great. That's fantastic. Don't, don't overthink the process. There, I used an English term. I didn't say process. Don't overthink it. Um, sometimes emotionally, it's like it, if it's working and it feels good and you're making money, that's great. Just keep moving. You know. Yeah, 100%. In terms of things that inspire you, so is, is there anyone or anything that kind of, you know, when, when the going gets tough, what, 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 yeah, what do you do to kind of keep yourself focused and keep yourself motivated? That's a great question. You know, I, I don't know what it really is, Matt, but I do have an inner resolve always that, you know, I can dig down and grab hold of. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, it's um, the will. It, it, it's almost like I want to succeed so that, you know, when we first met, like I had that blog, right, which I don't have anymore. And it was all about, I think, I, I think it's called Life Turnaround Now. And I loved sharing information. I'd review personal development and growth books and business books. So I think for me, in the corner of my mind's eye, I almost have a thing where I just want to share that other people can do. I want to do it because I don't consider myself particularly intelligent in any way, shape or form. So I want to do it to show people and say, Hey, like if I could, if I could be somewhat successful, then you can too. Right. Um, and I'm always pointing towards that. And I, I will, I love, to talk as you can tell <laughs> but I, I i love to share that type of information and talk with people like you too who also get it and understand it and and verbalize that um because if one person watches this or one person subscribes every, you know you get one new one new one if one person listens to one of your episodes right and they're having a really bad time in life and they're wondering whether they should do another property can i deal with another tenant i don't know da, da. And they listen to you or somebody who you interview and they go, you know what? I can pull my socks up and I can do this. That to me is a massive success. hundred percent. Right and then, then when, I, right. when I started this thing, it was, you know, we were in lockdown. It was, you know, whenever January 20 and it was it, or 21. <laughs> right. And, and it was like, you know, it, we're in the depths of this thing. It's dark outside. You can't go outside anyway. And that, that was the kind of driver behind it was to give, you know, to, to if, if someone's kind of on the fence about something, to give someone that kind of inspiration of you you can do it it can be hard and the first thing you try probably won't work but don't right. give up trying because the alternative is that you end up in a situation where you know you kind of get to get to retirement age and you're like shit what have i done with my life whereas uh, the alternative totally. is you're completely in control of your destiny and actually once you learn some of the skills I know that if all fails, I could be making money within a week, you know, with, with, with a new startup and that, you know, you don't want to have to go through that pain process, but you can, you can do it. Uh, Matt, I, I can agree more. And, and, and that, you know, just the title of your show tells you that. Yeah. Right. It's called the growth show. It's a, and, 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 you know, you're not just talking business. I mean, I know you have a big slump on real estate, but 
um, and finance, but it, it's you have to grow in all aspects. And that, and just going back, that's the other thing with with the founders, the, my founders. We've all grown as people, the three of us. Not only have we bonded, you know, together, and we know each other kind of inside and out. We always laugh like we know each other better than you know one of my partner's wife. I probably spend more time on the phone with him than he does with her, right? Yeah. But we've grown as people, and I certainly have, and I've certainly seen them grow as well um like our skin has got tougher emotionally we've got more resilient um and um it's the team that makes it happen you need a good idea sure but it's it's the team that makes it happen yeah and I, yeah I, I love i love the whole concept of the show mat so it's great awesome well in terms of yeah where we are today i think that's my questions over do you ever have anything else that you'd like to add and Furthermore, where can we find you in terms of socials, websites, etc.? Yeah, well, Matt, I, I just want to thank you for letting me come on and um, chit chat for an hour. No, and I hope cool. anybody, anybody who's been listening um, to this, you know, I just encourage you if you're starting a business or you're feeling a little bit down right now about where you're at, you know, tomorrow will come. Um, you'll be okay take a deep breath maybe you need to take a day off and just go on your bike or go down by the river whatever you need to do go see family but you can always restart right there's always another day to to get going um you can find um best best place is just go to caltier.fund so that's c-a-l-t-i-e-r dot fund that's the same on um linkedin and uh facebook and then you can find me from there i'm, I'm personally not particularly massively active uh, on social media, but we are through um, the company. But caltier.fund is the um, place to go and um, check out what we're doing. Awesome. Well, look, as, as I said, kind of at the outset, it's been really interesting to see your kind of story develop. You know, you moved to a new country, you didn't know anyone there. You know, there must have been a huge kind of amount of fear that you've overcome to, to do what you've done. So, yeah, to have a successful, you know, congratulations on the fundraise to see that get closed out is, yeah, really exciting. And I'm looking forward to. To what comes next and yeah we we'll hope, hope to have you back on soon we can yeah be, be talking about the next the next phases of it well, i'd love it i'd love that awesome cheers matt cheers matt thanks so much thanks for listening to the growth show with matt Lindsay. please like our podcast and subscribe today